Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Amen. Are you ready to receive a word from the Lord today? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, let it go. As Sister Elsa says, let it go. Let it go. See, last week we, we kicked off this, this series and, and, and this is something that had already been, been stirring in, in, in my heart. And, and the premise behind this series is that your blessing or your breakthrough is not just in what you take hold of, but what you're willing to let go of. Your blessing or your breakthrough is not just in what you take hold of it. And don't get me wrong, we talked about it the last series, take it by force, that that there are going to be times in our lives that we have to quit being uh, uh, pacifists, we have to quit being lackadaisical, and we have to grab hold of God's blessings. In fact, James says it this way, that faith without works is dead. See, you've got to know that God will do what He can do, but God is not going to do for you what you can do. God will do what he can do, but he's not going to do. And and part of that is as you walk in this life of faith and God calls you from glory to glory into your purpose, into your promise, there are things that you're going to have to be willing to let go of. Last week we talked about Abraham. The Bible says that God, you know, decided to implement his plan for restoration and redemption and come down and make a covenant with man through Abraham. And the first thing he tells him, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. All the nations of the earth will see you great. And all of the nations through the earth are going to be blessed by you. But that promise came with a but. It came with a contingency. He said, but what I'm going to do in you, you can't stay here. You have to let go. You have to walk away. And the Bible says that he told Abram, you have to leave your native land. You have to leave your country, you have to leave your family, you have to leave everything in order for me to do what I want to do. And and we find that that biblical pattern and principle woven throughout scripture that every time God calls someone into a new season, into a new cycle, into a new level, into a new dimension, into a new territory, into a new level of influence, there is always going to be things that you let go of. And God tells Abraham in order for me to do what I want to do you can no longer be confined by people's opinions you can no longer be confined by 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 the the way people define you by the way people typecast you if you stay here they will only know you as the carpenter's son oh wow isn't that how they knew Jesus Jesus was Raising people from the dead, turning water into the wine. Some of you are like, I want to invite him to my party. Doing all of these miracles. And yet in Nazareth, they could only see him as the carpenter's son. They, they weren't able to, to grab hold. And that biblical pattern of letting go. And sometimes you're going to have to let go of people. Somebody say Amen. Sometimes you're going to have to let go of places. Sometimes you're going to have to let go of positions. How many of you know sometimes you're going to have to let go of possessions? Ouch. Ahí nos pegan el corazón. We're going to have to let go of some things. And, and we see that And God tells Abraham, in order for me to do what I'm going to do in your life, you're going to have to let go of old things. And Jesus teaches that principle in the book of Luke. He says, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because the new wine is going to expand and it will break. And oftentimes we become victims to broken relationships because God is expanding us, but we're not willing to get out of those circles. I know that doesn't happen here, but in Del Rio all the time. Not here, Pastor. No, no, no. And in fact, if you follow the story of Abraham, he obeyed God almost. He gathered all of his all of his things, he gathered all of his servants, all of his livestock, but he also took a nephew. And it seemed like everything was good, but at some point 
there began to be some tension and contention between Lot's servants, his nephew, and Abraham's servant. They began to fight. They began. And see, that happens sometimes when we think we're obeying God. We think that we're moving on, but yet we're still holding on to old things. Abraham on the outside looked like he was like he was was honoring God and obeying God, but yet he was still holding on to an old relationship. He was still holding on, on, on to Lot. He was still holding on. And it got to the point where it got so contentious that Abraham realized that, you know what? This isn't obeying God. I have to let everything go. And he got to the point where he took his, his nephew to the side. He says, look, I love you. I, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming up to this point in my journey. But in order for God to do the fullness of his work and fulfill his purpose and his promise in me, I've got to let you go. And, and even Abraham, does this act of faith he tells Lot go wherever you go and I'll go the opposite direction what do you think Lot does Lot sees all of the beautiful all of the green pastures he says that's where I want to go and Abraham says okay you go your way and I'll go my way how many of you know that your blessing is not contingent upon where you go it's contingent upon your obedience and following God. Because as long as you're following God, God is going to bless you. As long as you're following God, God is going to prosper you. When you walk in God's will and you walk in his word and you walk in his way, it doesn't matter where you go. God is going to bless and prosper as long as you're walking. So Abraham knew that principle that his blessing was not dependent on him. His blessing was dependent on God. And so he allowed Lot to choose. Lot, choose, Lot chose what was good. And Abraham went to the desert and God blessed Abraham in the desert. How many of you know that God can even bless you in the desert? And so Abraham had to let him go. And, and we see this, this biblical pattern, you know, woven throughout all the scriptures that every time that God was calling someone into something new, whether it be a new purpose, a new season, a new ministry, there was always things that they needed to let go of. Imagine Noah. Here's Noah. If anybody was asked to give everything up, Noah was. God came down with Noah and said, you know what? I'm going to destroy the world as you know it. But I want you to get you, you and your three sons and all of their families, and I want you to gather all the animals, build an ark. I'm going to make it rain. It's going to flood, and I'm going to destroy everything. See, oftentimes we forget. Like I said, these are real people. How many of you know that Noah had compadres y comadres? He had friends, he had, he had family, he had people that he fellowshiped with, and yet he had to let go of everything so that he could obey and honor God. Abraham had to let go of his home, his family. Moses had to let go of his place and position in the palace, but not only did he have to let go of that, he had to let go of his failure as a fugitive. And then not only that, he was called out of a place of comfort and a place where he thought, he could hide because he found himself as a shepherd in a pasture taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And because of his failure, he thought, man, I missed it. I'll never walk in the fullness of my purpose. I'll never, I'll never walk in, in the fullness of my calling. I, 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 I took it up and he thought that he was going to live his life as a failure. But how many of you know that God is a God of second chances? God is a God of third chances. God is a God of fourth chances. God will never give up on you. I guarantee you will give up on yourself way before God will ever give up on you. But yet God showed up in the middle of that desert. The Bible says in the backside of the desert. And he said, Moses, I'm going to fulfill my purpose in you. But you have to leave your comfort zone. Peter, James, and John had to let go of their nets. The paralytic at the pool of Bethesda had to let go of his mat. Paul had to let go of his influence, his affluence. Matthew had to let go of his, his position in the IRS. Luke had to let go of a successful medical practice. All of these disciples, all of these people that followed Jesus, that walked with God, at some point there were things that they had to let go go of. See, every time God called someone into their purpose or destiny, there were things that they had to let go of. What are you holding on to that is keeping you from your blessing or your breakthrough? See, one of the greatest weapons of mass distraction or mass detraction 
from us moving forward is disappointment. Disappointment is something that when it takes root in our hearts, in our lives, in our spirit, it can literally cause us to become stuck. Disappointment is something that, that can grab hold of us and it will affect everything else we do. See, disappointment can cause us to miss out on our miracle. And people often hold on to disappointment. Disappointment in parents. I didn't get enough hugs. That's why I got into drugs. Disappointment in spouses, ex-spouses, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends. Disappointment in children. Disappointment in friends and teachers, coaches, mentors. Disappointment in leaders. Oh, how about this one? Disappointment in pastors. I know that would never happen here. Let me tell you. I'm not perfect. I'm very close. Like, I see this. But I guarantee you, at some point, I'm going to disappoint you. If I haven't already. If I have, my bad. But you know, sometimes we can even get stuck in disappointment when we get disappointed in God. Has anybody ever been disappointed with God? Maybe. God didn't show up the way you thought he was going to show up. You were praying. You did your 21-day fast in January, and you started with all this faith, and all you did was lose weight, but you didn't get your blessing. And now you're wondering and questioning, why did I even fast? Why didn't I even pray? I knew that, and I believed that this was my year. You know, you go from saying this is my month to this is my year. This is my decade, you know. You, you, your, your, your faith begins to waver and to wander, and you hold on to the disappointment. See, disappointment happens when our reality does not match our expectation. We, we, we often place expectations on people in our relational circles. And when they don't meet those expectations, we can become cynical, disillusioned, or even disappointed. And that disappointment can cause us from moving forward in God's purposes. God might be calling us into new relationships, but we're still holding on to the disappointment of our past relationship. He may be calling us into new friendships, but we can't let go of the disappointment and betrayal of broken trust. God may be calling us into new ministries, new territories, but we're stuck in the disappointment of how we were exploited or used by previous pastors or leaders. No, that doesn't happen, right? You know how we know that happens? Is because I'm just going to go to church. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be just like everybody else. I'm just go for the coffee and donuts. Some of you came hurt and broken from your old church, and that's how you came. What does that tell me is that you're stuck in the disappointment of how they treated you. I know that was not here. That was in Del Rio. But we can get so stuck in our disappointment in our expectation and other people's. We, we, we get married with expectations. We have family with expectations. Maybe we go to school, you know, to get a degree and we have certain expectations that we're going to be the next Elon Musk or we're going to be the next successful entrepreneur. We're going to do this. And all of a sudden, we realize that reality hits and, and, and all the things that we dreamed of, all the things that we imagined did not come out the way we thought. And sometimes we might even abandon God altogether or even worse, we'll say, well, I'm just going to go to church and be like everyone else. I'm no longer going to get involved. I'm no longer going to serve. And all the while, God is calling you into something greater. See, let me tell you something about God. God never moves you from a lesser thing to a lesser thing. God is always looking to elevate you. God is always looking to promote you. God is always looking to expand you. God is always looking to, to bless you. God is always looking to take you into something greater. Why? Because that's his nature. God can never go against his nature. God has to take you from glory to glory. God has to take you from one level to the next level. As long as you're walking with him, he has to do that. So every time that God is calling you to let go of something or come out of something, you've got to know it's that he has something better for you. Like I said a little bit ago, when we surrender what we have in our hand, we get to take hold of what God has in his hand. And God has so much more. But oftentimes we're stuck in old places 
with old people, old relationships, old experiences. And those people, they themselves, they have already moved on. They don't even remember how they offended you. And you're still holding on. They don't even remember your name. And you're still holding on to that disappointment. You're still holding on to that offense. And if you're going to grab hold of what God has for you in 2023, it's time to let it go. It's time to let go of the disappointment. And there's a story in the Bible that I think kind of perfectly depicts the trap that disappointment can have in our lives. In John chapter 11, the Bible tells us a story about, about three siblings, Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus. And let, let, let's go to chapter 11, verse 1. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. So this is, this is John. He wants to make sure that you know that, that they were tight, like they were, cool, like, like they were connected. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I wouldn't let just let anybody touch my feet, okay? And this girl is touching Jesus' feet. So John is saying, this is that Mary. This is that Mary that was with Jesus right before he was going to be betrayed and right before he was going to be tried and crucified. John is letting you know who this Mary was. And then he goes on to say, her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Like, what is she doing? She's, she's, she's throwing out the, the, the connection. She's throwing out the relationship. She wants to make sure that Jesus understands that Lazarus, his dear friend, that person that he is close to, that person that he knows. And, and I imagine that when they sent word to Jesus, they had an expectation of what Jesus would do. Don't you think? Like they, they probably thought in that moment that Jesus was going to stop whatever campaña, whatever crusade, whatever he was doing, whether he's turning water into wine or multiplying fish and loaves, that whatever it was, because his dear friend Lazarus was sick, they probably thought, man, Jesus is going to get the text message and he's going to show up like, like, like yesterday and he's going to come in and do the miracle. Don't you think that's probably what they, they expected? Because they were tight. They were, they were close. We know from, from history that, that Mary and Martha would often spend, spend time and spend meals with Jesus. Jesus would always go to their house and he was there. And so when they sent this message, they had a clear expectation of what they thought that Jesus was going to do. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Imagine that for a moment. Mary and Martha, they're desperate. Lazarus is in critical condition. The doctor's telling them it can happen any moment, any time now. They send word to Jesus, expecting that Jesus was going to show up. And what does Jesus do? He just chills. Is that what they expected Jesus to do? No. But let's look at this. He said, John wants you to understand that Jesus did this out of love. Now, now that, that, that's counterintuitive to us, right? Because we think that love would compel him to move into action. But how many of you know that God always has a greater plan and a greater purpose? God, has, God is doing things in our life. And I've come to understand that sometimes out of love, God will stay out of a situation so that he can work his plan and his purpose in your life. And so even though they didn't understand what was going on, Jesus knew that he he was going to do something. Jesus knew. So now Mary and Martha, they get the message. They get the message from Jesus. Jesus said that this will not end in death. They get that message back. But what does Jesus do? He just chills and he stays two days where he was at. That did not meet their expectation. I imagine the first day they probably walked out, just, you know, 
You see him checking down the road, and then the next day, and then he dies. And Jesus still hasn't shown up. How, how, do, how do you think Martha and Mary felt in that moment? They probably felt betrayed by Jesus. They probably thought, man, all of the offerings and the tithes, and he didn't even call me when I was sick. All of the meals that we made him in our home, we fed him and his hungry disciples, literally washed his feet, and he can't even show up. But out of love, understand this, out of love, Jesus was doing something. Jesus was, was, was working out his purpose in them so that he could call them into his purpose. And that's what God will often do in our lives. And we realize, and we're there, we're praying and we're fasting. And it seems like God is not showing up. It seems like God is not answering. When God is not working around you, it's a clear indication that God is probably working in you. We don't like that. We want, we want, we want results now. We are the, the, the microwave popcorn generation. We, we want it done now. We, we want to see the answer now. And we think that this is transactional. I pray, I fast, I serve, I give, that God is going to give me what I want. But no, God will give you what he wants when it's time for you to have it. But before God will do something for you, God will always do something in you. And so the fact that Jesus stayed, that is a clear indication that Jesus was doing something in them so that later on he can do something for them. And this is pretty good. I should, I, I, should, I should listen to this preaching later. And then verse 7, John says, Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. He chills for a bit, heals a few other people, does miracles, and finally, he shows up. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha felt when Jesus finally showed up. See, oftentimes our, our disappointment and two areas of disappointment that, that can cause us to be stuck and not move forward is, is the first one is that we get disappointed in people. Whether we know it or not, we are naturally compelled to place expectations on people. When you came to Access Church, you had an expectation of your experience. You have an expectation of me. When you get married, you have an expectation of your spouse. When you go to work, you have an expectation of your boss. You, you have expectations of your coworkers. And why? You get disgruntled when your coworkers don't meet up to your expectations. Or, or am I wrong? Thank you, whoever that is. You get an extra donut. We're, we're naturally, that, that's what we do. We, 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 place, uh, we, we place expectations on people. And when people don't meet up, when people don't meet those expectations, now all of a sudden we're disappointed. We're disappointed in our old relationships. We're disappointed in our old boyfriend, our old girlfriend. And that, 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 that causes us to become stuck. Let me tell you an area where we, a lot of people are getting disappointed is in the area of social media. We put something on social media expecting everybody to like it. Let me tell you, I've had people get mad at me because we didn't like their posts. Like, I have nothing to do all day but be trolling people's feeds. Literally, I, it sounds funny. And like, you didn't, you didn't know I was sick? Well, no, well, I put it on Facebook. Well, I'm not always on Facebook. Call me or text me and I'll be there, but don't just put it up there expecting people to know. See, we, we, we get these dopamine hits when we get likes and shares. I love one of the things that I heard Christine Kane once say. She said, don't put your story on, on, on social media until it becomes your testimony. When you put your story without it being a testimony, all you're doing is complaining and ranting and you're not giving God glory. You're giving the devil glory for what he's doing in your life. And why do we do that? Because we want people to be like, yeah, you have every right to be, yeah, the Eagle Pass drivers, they, do, they are horrible. I'm like, well, you're part of them. These dumb medians, I'm with you, they're dumb medians. Supposedly people are smarter than us and get paid a lot more, put these things there. It don't make any sense. 
I'm sure Malachi could have come up with a better plan. And we, and we put things on social media with an expectation of how people are going to respond or react, and it doesn't happen, and we get stuck. We put expectations on people, and we get stuck. And see here, when you look at this context, when you look at this passage through a sociological context, one of the things that you've got to understand is that this culture was patriarchal, it was patrilineal, and it was androcentric, meaning patriarchal, meaning that the decision-making process of the family units and the community were all controlled by men. Patrilineal means that the Jewish genealogy and inheritance were traced through the men. Androcentrism means that men or the masculine were the, were, were the center of all decision making. In other words, Mary and Martha were desperate. They were freaking out because Lazarus was the only man in the house and he was the only provider. I know you've had this preached before, but nobody ever told you. Not only are they worried about losing a loved one, but now they're thinking, man, if Lazarus dies, we have no way to pay the rent. We have no way to pay the bills. We have no way to make money. We are women and we can't work. I can't go wait tables. I can't go be a babysitter. I can't go clean houses. I have no way of making money. And they're like, Jesus, we need you now because if Lazarus dies, we're going to die too. This was their desperation. And that's why they had such a high level of expectation on Jesus because they thought that their provision was in Lazarus not knowing that it was in Jesus. Now I understand why Jesus stayed. Jesus said, I can't let you stay there. If I'm going to move you forward in my purposes, you got to realize that Lazarus is not your provider. I am. He had to reshift and refocus their faith from putting their faith in their brother so that they could put their faith in him. And see, sometimes that's what's happening to us. God is not answering our prayer in the way, in the moment that we want. And we don't realize it's because you have your faith in the wrong thing. You have your faith in people. You have your faith in your job. You have your faith in your salary. You have your faith in your ministry. You have your faith everywhere than it should be. And God says, I love you too much, so I'm going to stay out of it so I can reshift and refocus so your faith is not in other people, your faith will be in him. But there we are. We're stuck. And Mary and Martha, they were, they were freaking out. They were thinking, if Lazarus dies, Who's going to pay the bills? See, as a pastor, we've, we've been in, in, in circles of, of loss. But what, one of the greatest tragedies is when the main breadwinner of the family is lost and they have no other means of support. I've seen people lose houses, lose cars, lose properties because the breadwinner is gone. And so here is Mary and Martha, Martha living in this culture where they have no means of working, no means of generating income or revenue, no means of providing or paying the bills and all of a sudden they're freaking out because Lazarus was the breadwinner and if he goes they're, they're not going to make it so they needed a miracle they needed but understand that Jesus stayed that Jesus stayed out of the situation so that he could reshape and refocus their faith so it would no longer be androcentric it would be Christocentric it would no longer be in man it would be in him see some of you got your focus and your faith in your boss in your job, in your degree, in your salary. And you're wondering, like, God, what's going on? And God said, I'm, I, I'm reshifting, I'm reshaping. Some of you are freaking out because your husband doesn't have a job. He hasn't been getting a job. And God is trying to let you know that I'm the provider. Your husband isn't. And so we've got to understand that sometimes out of love, God is going to, day. And let me tell you, those, those moments where it seems like God is not around, just because you can't see him, he's working. He's doing something. He's, he's staying out of love. Why? Because he knows that, that, that if he doesn't stay out of it, he can't take you 
the next place he wants you to go. Just like we talked about with Joshua at the Jordan River. See, everybody thought the river was an obstacle, but it was actually an opportunity for Joshua to see that God was with him just like he was with Moses. It was his opportunity to see that it was his moment and his mantle and his time to move forward. I shared last week how God took us to Mexico. And let me tell you, yeah, there was times where, where, where it was lean, where there was times where we didn't have money. There was times where we didn't have food, but it was those moments that, that God had to stay out of it. We had to go through those things. Why? Because if I would have never gone through those things, I would have never had the faith to build this. There was moments where I couldn't even, I didn't even have the faith to believe for $250 rent. We went to Mexico. We had no income, no source, no way of generating income or revenue. And I had to pay rent. And there was times I was freaking out. I didn't know how I was going to pay $250 rent a month. That's what we had to pay. But let me tell you, that is where I saw that I'm not the provider, that God is the provider. And if I would have never gone through those moments, I would have never had the, the faith to build what I'm building now. So sometimes I know now that God is going to stay out of it so that he can build your faith because he wants to take you to a greater place. So imagine, I used to have to just believe for $250 a month. Now I have to believe for almost $8,000 a month. Man, if I do the wrong thing, y'all get mad at me, you stop giving, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. That's a lot of faith. I remember when, two, 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I said pandemic. I said what I said. Everything was shut down. We had already maxed out at our storefront location on Del Rio Boulevard. I knew we needed another place. And we had been looking and searching and believing. And all of a sudden, right as we're going into June, everything is shutting down. No, no in-person services. We're all online. God is telling me that I need to rent this building. What does that mean? That means that we were going to go from paying $1,000 a month to $5,000 a month for this building. Imagine no services. Imagine, I didn't know if any of y'all were going to come back. Maybe you found a different, maybe you like parking lot church, I don't know. Maybe you like online services, I didn't, I didn't know. But God was saying, and let me tell you, every great pastor and leader was telling other pastors, don't spend, cut back expenses, don't expand, cut building projects, retract, do everything you can do to save money. And I'm sitting here with no service, with no people, and God is saying, you need to move. You need to move forward. You need a bigger building. But God, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if anybody's going to come back. We're going to go from $1,000 a month to 5000 And let me tell you, if I would have never went through that time where God stayed out of it, I would have never known that he was the provider. I would have thought it was dependent on me, but I knew then that if God is calling me to this, I don't have to pay the bill. He's going to pay the bill. All I've got to do is obey. And let me tell you, for three months, we paid $5,000 a month without having one service here. Not only that, we were spending and painting and buying equipment and chairs without having one service. But can you imagine if I would have got stuck in my disappointment? You're thinking, Pastor, what do, you, what do you have to be disappointed? Let me tell you, there was times in my life where I made really bad financial decisions. I went through bankruptcy, had a house foreclosed on, I had a car repossessed, and I thought God was going to provide because I was doing God's will and God's work. Don't you think that that messes with your mind a little bit? Not only am I dealing with my money, but now I'm dealing with other people's money. I'm dealing with God's money. And if I would have stayed stuck in that disappointment, if I would have never been in that place where God stayed out of it, then I would have never had the faith to say, okay, God, if you're calling me to this, it means that you know something that I don't know. And you know what? Lo and behold, we opened up and our first Sunday here, it was almost packed. In fact, what y'all don't know is that we actually had a little wall there that we thought we were going to have a little cool little bar and cafe area. But the first Sunday back, we were so packed, we, we had to knock the wall down. There goes my plan. 
And now look at us. We had a, where's my cafe? I miss my cafe. So it's not a complaint. But imagine if I would have stayed stuck in the disappointment of the past where I thought that God was going to bless and provide and he didn't. And I lost my house and a car, filed bankruptcy. And now I'm in Mexico. Let me tell you one of the amazing things that happened, how I learned that God was provided. We had a moment where we didn't have money and we didn't have food. And early one morning, someone comes and knocks on our door. We're in Mexico. And I go outside and there's like three or four bags full of groceries straight from the tianguis, from the, from the mercado, like, like all kinds of fruit, vegetables, cheese. There was chicken, bread. Like it was packed. I remember thinking like, wow, I, I didn't know who did this. And so, you know, I got all excited. I said, thank you, Jesus. So later on, we get a text message from this lady that used to go to our church in Mexico. And she says, did you all get the groceries? We said, yes. She says, well, guess what? That was for my husband. What you don't know is her husband was an alcoholic. He was not a believer. He was not saved, didn't want anything to do with God. But that morning he woke up from a dream. He said, God told me I have to get the Cisnero some groceries. What does that tell me? That God can even use the devil to bless you. So I know that God is the provider, but sometimes what happens when, 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 when God doesn't, that doesn't meet our expectations? So let's continue the story. Verse 17, it says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave four days. Now to add insult to injury, look at what John points out. Bethany was only a few miles down the road. So Jesus is literally only two miles away from Bethany. He gets the message, and Mary and Martha expect him to run and go and help and do his thing. But what does he do? He stays. Like, he was right around the corner. He could have got there in about 30, 40 minutes. He could have he got there, but he stayed. Now, verse 19, and many people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. In the Greek what that means is that she was booty hurt. They got the word. Jesus is coming. Now, you got to understand that Martha is extrovert. And Mary internalizes. We, we see their personalities contrasted all the time. Martha is boisterous. She's outgoing. She's, she, she's vociferous. But Mary internalizes. She's more quiet. So Martha goes out to reclamar a Jesus. Reclamar is the Greek word. It's my preaching. And Mary's all booty hurt in the house. She's like, oh, now you come. Ahora que, ahora si. Ya pa que. Yapake is the Greek word for. Imagine that. They get the word. Martha goes out and Mary stays put. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. It's better the way that I read it with the attitude, right? <laughs> See, Mary's all, Mary's all introspective. This, this is Mary. I, I know none of you husbands ever, ever, ever experienced this. What's wrong? Nothing. See, what you women don't know is that we're cool. Okay, great. Let's have a cookout. That's not the response you want, right? But that's the way us men take it. What's wrong? Nothing. All right. Okay, cool. Let's go. And it's like, well, you should already know. Like, well, no, I don't read minds. Now, I know it happens in Del Rio, but not here. Let me tell you, that doesn't work with men. We don't pick up on those things. You say nothing's wrong. We believe you. That doesn't happen here, right? No, not at all. That's Mary. Martha's the crazy Latina with the chancla and the wooden spoon. Y la olla. There's one in every family. If you don't know her, then that means that you're it. Hey, if you don't learn anything from Scripture, at least you get entertained at Access Church. Amen. So she says, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. 
Now imagine this, they get the message that Jesus said, this will not end in death. But they misunderstood. They thought that Lazarus was never going to die. So they had that expectation. But now Lazarus is dead. He's been buried for four days. And Jesus finally decides to show up. So, so Jesus says, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises. At that last day. But what good does that do me now? We're not going to be able to pay the rent. We're not going to be able to feed ourselves. We're not going to be able to generate. What good does that do? Yeah, one day he will rise. In verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Well, yes, Lord. I have always believed you're the Messiah. That's why I called you and I thought you were going to come. Oh, no, that's the... The Pastor Brian Paraphrase version. Verse 28, then she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and she said, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Now imagine Mary all booty hurt in the house. Walking out like, you want to see me? It's funny, but you don't realize, but sometimes we do that with God when God does not meet our expectations. I'm not going to give any more tithes or offering. <laughs> I'm not even going to go to church or raise, raise your hand. Uh -uh, not me. So Mary immediately went to him. Verse 30, Jesus stayed outside in the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's expressing her disappointment. You didn't come when I thought you should come. You didn't show up in the way that I thought you should show up. If you would have only come when you got the word, but no, you had to go and heal other people. You had to go heal. Uh, uh, imagine that moment. Contrast, contrast that with, with Luke chapter 7, where Jesus is healing the centurion, the daughter of a centurion. The Bible says that Jesus didn't even show up, that he just sent the word. Don't you think that in chapter 11, Martha and Mary already knew that? They already heard the testimony. They had already heard about Jairus' daughter, and Jesus did this for a Roman centurion, a Gentile, someone who wasn't even a Jew, and he didn't even show up. He just said the word, and she was healed. Now imagine Mary and Martha understanding that, knowing that testimony, and now their brother's dead. They knew all about what Jesus did for the Roman centurion. I can just imagine, well, he did it for, for him, like he's an uncircumcised Roman centurion, He's not even a Jew. He's not even part of the chosen people. And so when Jesus showed up, they voiced their disappointment and disbelief in Jesus. And Mary was so hurt that she didn't even want to see Jesus. She stayed put. And in fact, even the people expressed disappointment. Look at uh, verse 36. The people who were standing nearby, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man and he couldn't have kept Lazarus from dying? They had already known the testimonies. They heard about what Jesus did and they knew how tight Jesus was. And now here they are, Lazarus is dead. And even the, the compadres and the comadres are saying that, man, Jesus didn't even show up. See, there you are going to that church, paying your tithes, serving, and look at your life, look at your finances. You're still suffering. You're still going. What you've got to know that sometimes out of love, Jesus is staying put. He is staying out. Why? Because he's working out something in you. When we look at this through the lens of trust, we can conclude that God has a purpose for everything he does. In fact, the prophet Isaiah 50, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, Jesus' intentional delay forced Mary and Martha to experience Lazarus' death. 
But when all that was said and done, Jesus had purpose for their pain. See, the objective was not to make Mary and Martha bitter. His objective was to make them better. He wanted to refocus their faith. It would no longer be in man. It would no longer be in their expectations, but it would be in the principle and the power and the purposes of God. And in verse 25, Jesus makes clear that he is the resurrection. See, they missed out. They missed what Jesus said. Jesus said, this will not end. And in death. And I'm here to tell you today, if your present situation doesn't look like the promise, it may be dead, it may be buried for days, but Jesus said this will not end in death. If it doesn't look like the picture of the promise that God gave you, I've got news for you, baby, then it ain't over yet. God is not done. He is still working. He's going to come through because he is not a man to lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So I'm telling you, you've got to hold on, transfer your decision disappointment get out of it and say God I don't get it I don't understand why you stayed away I don't understand why you didn't show up but I trust you enough to trust you I'm reminded of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego or Cadillac Pontiac and a Yugo it's in the Bible when they were faced in a life or death situation they had a choice to either bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue or be thrown into the fiery flames. And they stood there in boldness and faith and they looked at Nebuchadnezzar and they said, man, what a powerful declaration of faith. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. What were they saying? I have no doubt that God can do what he says he can do. I have no doubt that God can bless. I have no doubt that God can restore. I have no doubt that God can provide. I have no doubt that God can heal. But even if he doesn't, all that means is that he's doing something that I can't see. He's doing something greater that I can experience, that I can imagine. All that means is that God is doing something that I have no, no, no control over. I have, I have no providence in. All that means is that God is doing something that's above my pay grade. And all my job is to trust that he knows what he's doing. So God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't and we have to go through the furnace, all that means is that God is still going to get the glory. They could have been like, God, really? We didn't bow, and now we have to go into the furnace that's seven times hotter? Really, God, I do this for you, and this is how you pay me back? You don't show up in the moment that I most need it, the moment that I'm praying for, the moment that I'm believing for. You show They could have stayed in their disappointment, but the Bible says that they trusted God. They knew that God was in control, and the Bible says that when they walked into the fiery furnace... The Bible says that nothing happened to them. And you know what's even amazing? The Bible says that when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. You know what that tells me? That you can go through literal hell and come out not even smelling like smoke. What does that mean? Is that you can be in a place of torment and torture, of pain, of destruction, of distraction and disruption, and you won't be affected by the place that you're at. Why? because Jesus is with you. And so here, Jesus arrives. Finally, after four days, verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Verse 39, the roll, the roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, look, look at how John changes his language. Before it was Lazarus' sister. Now he's calling him the dead man. The dead man's sister. Protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. But Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe. See, that believe is trust. See, it takes 
a level of faith and trust to let go of the faith, to let go of the familiar, to let go of the fear, to let go of the disappointment, to let go of the dysfunction. See, so many times the dysfunction can, can become our identity. It becomes our normality. We're so used to living in crisis that it takes faith. You have to trust in Jesus. Say, if you trust me enough to trust me, and if you let it go, you will see God's glory. Verse 42, you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. See, as we let go of disappointment, I believe God is wanting to resurrect some things in our life. See, Mary and Martha didn't understood. They never knew that, they never thought that they were gonna experience death, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, this will not end in death. That means it wasn't over. They thought it was over, but it was not over. And I'm here to tell you, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're praying for, I'm here to tell you that it's not over. If it doesn't look like the picture of the promise, that means that God is still at work. You might give given up on your dream. You might have given up on your prayer request. You might have given up on your petition, but I'm here to tell you that it's not over. If you let go of the disappointment, appointment he can bring it back to life and God is ready to resurrect some dreams God is ready to resurrect some opportunities God is ready to resurrect that disappointment he's ready to resurrect your faith he's ready but you have to be willing to let it go we can become stuck he's saying put your faith in me I know it's hard to let it go But if you trust me enough to trust me, he's saying, just let it go. And you're trying to hold on to it for dear life. And he's saying, just let it go and let me resurrect what you thought was dead. Let me show you my glory. Just trust me enough to trust me. You've got to let go of disappointment. You've got to let go of hurt. You've got to let go of offense. You've got to let go of betrayal. Like I said last week, when we hold on to that, those things, those things which were meant to be a moment now become a monument in our life. They become a defining landmark. And God says it was never meant to be a landmark. It was only meant to be a testimony of what I brought you up and out but you have to be willing to let it go. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, I pray today that whatever we're holding on to, God, sometimes we think we know best and we're praying a certain way, we're praying and believing for, for things. But you're telling us now just to let, let it go, just to, to put our complete faith and trust in you. God, whatever disappointment that we've held on to from past relationships, family members, friends, leaders, co-workers, whatever it is, God, I don't want it to keep me from going where you want me to go. Give me the spiritual strength and fortitude to let go of all disappointment, to cast it off so I can grab hold of all that you have for me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.